Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are served from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band, full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more info. I have Jessica Vaughn on from the Center for Immigration Studies and, uh, you know, Jessica, the Director of Policy Studies. You guys are filing a FOIA lawsuit against ICE, really? (laughs) Yes, we are. We are because we think that the public needs to have access to more information about immigration enforcement, and we think especially... Uh, lawmakers and policymakers at all levels need to have facts about how immigration enforcement is really happening uh, rather than, you know, just um, sob stories and narratives created by, um, you know, illegal alien advocacy groups and so on and open border politicians who would like you to believe that uh, ice agents are all about raping immigrants (laughs) that's right Uh, yeah or that you know and to show really the value of having this agency in spite of these uh, misguided and really foolish uh, cries to abolish ice Um, you know that and and this is just the bread and butter of our organization, as you know, that um, we like to use government data to do the analysis that government agencies don't have time to do and um, put it into perspective and context for policymakers so that they can, um, you know, have a good basis on which to be changing laws if need be or changing policies. So it's a sad that we have to do the government, though, to get this information. It ought to be on ICE's website. Yeah, and you can ask, uh, you know, Tom Fitton over at Judicial Watch how sad it is to have to repeatedly sue government agencies and individuals for information. That's one of the places we learn from. Yeah, yes. What else are we going to do? Now, what you're looking for exactly is you want to know some specific things, like where people were arrested, what their uh, immigration status was at the time where they came in and, you know, where they left and real concrete information. Right. Just facts about uh, removals from this country, how many people are getting removed, where they came from, what their immigration status was, uh, whether they were criminals, and if so, what crimes they were convicted of, how long they were here, all the things that help us understand illegal immigration and how to better address it, and also to sort of show the public that ICE is not going around arresting grandmothers on their way to church or, you know, hardworking, quote-unquote, innocent people, um, you know, that they're spending their time tracking down, you know, um, uh, people with green cards or U.S. citizens and, you know, all these uh, false narratives that are out there. Uh, and, and that need to be addressed, and that you know the government agencies sometimes don't have the the time or ability to address on their own. It's basically, I mean, what we do is to study immigration, and um, try to give policymakers facts to make better policies, and this is part of that. But it shouldn't be a struggle to get this information from our federal government. I, you know, uh, there's more information out there, but it's. It's not enough, and you know there these agencies are getting so deluged with requests 
from all kinds of people for a lot of different reasons. Um, we learned that sometimes it's a squeaky wheel that gets the attention, and so yeah. we're trying to be a squeaky wheel by filing a lawsuit. Yeah, I'm, and I'm glad you are doing it. I mean, I, I find it amazing that the uh, New York Times wrote an article, I'm sure you read this weekend, about all the abuse that goes on um, with these women who are locked in stash houses and uh, forced into uh, prostitution or just repeatedly raped by the coyotes that bring them across. And the New York Times, you know, acted like, well, this is something we've just found out. I mean, how long have we been um, talking about how the people most endangered by this trek are the people taking it? That is exactly right. And, and this is something that they would mock President Trump and other administration officials for talking about the dangers of this journey and the fact that it's our policies that are enticing people to make this dangerous journey and that that's what's immoral is having these policies, not trying to prevent people from doing this dangerous thing and certainly not enriching the criminal organizations that smuggle people and that are doing the abusing. Uh, that, you know, our, our, uh, lack of border security is enriching these violent criminal organizations that prey on people who are coming here because they've heard that they will be allowed to, to come into the United States and stay based on an asylum claim. And, and that's got to be changed. Now, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for, you know, now that the New York Times has blessed this idea that this is a violent thing that's happening and a dangerous thing, I'm waiting for all of these lawmakers to introduce legislation to try to do something about it. That's yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, don't hold your breath, Jessica, please. We need you. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I find it fascinating, too. I, was, I think I read uh, something that Dan Cadman had written about uh, the abuse of migrant minors, of children. And... And then I, I went on, I, I did a little more research, and I found out um, that we have a lot of statistical studies that say children who were abused generally um, grow up to have sort of hardened attitudes about physical and emotional abuse, and it oftentimes become abusers themselves, which fed right into this whole idea that these minor kids... Um, are getting picked on by other minor kids in detention and even once they're out of detention in the community that's how they get lured into gangs and you know it is the it is other migrant children who have been victimized that end up becoming the perpetrators yes that's right and um you know again this is such um some some uh democrats and and people supporters of these so-called asylum seekers have been talking about, you know, how we shouldn't be detaining children because, look, they're getting abused. And one member of Congress was spewing out these numbers at a hearing recently, and he said, there have been 174 uh, allegations of abuse of minors in these facilities by staff members. What he didn't mention, and that's bad enough, these have yeah. to be taken seriously and investigated. Right. What he didn't say was that there have been thousands almost 5000 yeah. allegations of abuse by other illegally arriving minors yep. in these facilities mm -hmm. exactly he was focusing on you know the tree instead of the forest of problems and and that you know part of the issue i mean these these are not just you know innocent waifs fleeing 
um, abuse that, yeah, maybe some of these kids were abused, but it, it also should be further illustration that some of the people who are coming across and who are taking advantage of our lenient policies are not Boy Scouts, are, are you know, not gentle, law-abiding people, that they there are some predators in this group and that we've got to have security so that we can prevent this phenomenon from going on and prevent these people from getting into our communities. You know, and while we continue to have these discussions and while the uh, the politicians, um, both Democrats and these ridiculous uh, country club Republicans, as they have these kinds of debates, the numbers are escalating, aren't they, uh, along the border? Um, yeah. and, and we're just not even able to keep track anymore. If it's 200 at Rio Grande today and it's 500 in, uh, you know, in Southern California today and it's, you know, another 300 somewhere. A thousand. Uh, yeah, yeah, a thousand. And okay. we're no longer able to, we, first of all, we can't track them. And second of all, we can't keep them. We don't have a facility to keep them. That's right. This is, I mean, catch and release of, um, parents and kids or adults I should say and kids because sometimes it's not the parents right. arriving illegally is at a, a, they're a, reportedly going to announce that it's reached the highest level in about 10 years yeah uh, uh, and and that what's different is it's not just illegal arrivals it's adults bringing kids as a deportation shield and that, that you know the border is not more secure than it's ever been before it's you know illegal immigration is not a thing of the past we definitely have uh, a crisis at the border and it needs to be addressed it's not going to be addressed though i can tell you that it's it's a it's a crisis but in their minds it is a political opportunity and that is the saddest thing of all i mean i was just talking about something that's happening in my own county that you know it's obvious to everybody what needs to happen in order to make our schools safer but it's become a a political hot you know bed so you can't even talk about the real problem you have to worry you don't hurt this person's feeling and it's not a racial this and it's not it's just mind-boggling how many people will attach themselves to a cause and muddy it up so badly that we can't get anything done right and this the people who are paying the price of are um taxpayers in the communities that have to absorb this influx Hmm. and people who are displaced from job opportunities by employers who are perfectly willing to hire them. But but this influx has become so costly and burdensome for many communities. It's the biggest unfunded mandate that I can think of yeah. in recent history, um, having to deal with this. And that you know that's something that members of Congress are not quite grappling with yet. But yeah. I don't know what it's going to take. You know, do we need all the school boards from all these places to start marching on Capitol Hill? <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. I don't know when they're going to realize that this cannot be sustained. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much, Jessica, for coming on on such short notice. But when I saw that FOIA request, I said, let me get let me get her on today so we can find out. I mean, you guys um, do such good research and it boggles my mind that they would turn your you turn you away uh, and not give you information and and force you into this position. You're their biggest advocates. Well, it's it's the eventually we get our requests answered but it's the speed that's a problem or the lack thereof yeah well thank you i know you got a meeting to go to i appreciate you coming on with me thanks so much always good to talk with you you too jessica vaughn the uh, director of policy research at the center for immigration studies let's take a quick break we'll be right back
I'll tell you, you know, they got to be just wondering what on earth um, the real effect, the Democrats I'm talking about, what on earth the real effect of this, uh, this mega, you know, sort of craziness that's around AOC. Um, I mean, here's, a, here's someone who's telling the press that she is keeping a list of moderates who sided with Republicans on a vote. She is just um, priceless for Republicans. Anyway, you know, there's never a good sign when the socialists announce they're making lists of uh, ideological nonconformists. But, uh, you know, this is just further evidence that uh, AOC is going to be a more of a problem to the Democrats than she will be to the Republicans. Um, House Republicans, of course, had attached an amendment to the gun control bill that said ICE should be notified when an illegal immigrant tries to purchase a weapon. And the amendment passed because there were a bunch of centrist Democrats who were worried about how a no vote on that might look back in their home district. So they crossed the aisle and they supported the GOP. A little humiliating for Nancy Pelosi, you know, a legend, since she was able to maintain control of her caucus on tough votes in the past. So she called a huddle. She warned the centrists not to do it again. And then she brings in the uh, the the Ocasio-Cortez, the media superstar, the freshman class, who upped the ante and said she's going to help Liberal activists unseat them in the 2020 election. That has got to scare the pants off Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, right? If uh, if if they um, are going to be primaried by the same group that uh, basically helped Ocasio-Cortez to beat back a very popular incumbent, they're going to have some some real issues. So let's not forget that when the Tea Party primaried, primaried all of the rhinos, they knocked a lot of them out of the running and ended up assuming a, a substantial amount of power in Congress in 2010. Now, unfortunately, many of them could not sustain the momentum, and some of them were just uh, charlatans. You know, we did get fooled by many of them, but it was just the accomplishing of it that was so valuable. Because it proved to the American people yet again that we really do have power. We just need to use it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can tell you I feel the same sort of spirit rising up again right now. As people like you and I look at this incoming class, this uh, this group that took over the House, and it scares us. You know, we're not ready to go down the path that they're calling. You know, for many of us, our biggest concern is not whether we are using plastic straws. You know, for many of us, our biggest concern is keeping our families together, keeping our families safe, keeping our, our bills paid keeping our community growing. And and there's nothing about what the Democrats are offering that will do any of that. And you know they're desperate when they start um, writing articles like the one in the New Yorker magazine 
uh, ca- calling, uh, you know, the Fox News White House. You know, one thing I'll say about that. There are people, pundits on Fox, who are very close to the president, one in particular. But there's also a news side of the Fox network that is, if anything, actually distances it's itself from the pundits in many ways and and still make an attempt to deliver some news. So I don't know. You know, if it's the Fox News Network, then I guess CNN really is the Clinton News Network. Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. every Friday night of the year. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are optional, serve from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band from 7 to 11 playing ballroom, standards, party music, and German traditional. Full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more information. I think I have a long history uh, in civil rights activism. In 1988, I was one of the few white public officials who supported Jesse Jackson uh, for president of the United States, and he ended up winning Vermont. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think if you look at my uh, record in terms of civil rights uh, and other areas, you will find that it is uh, consistently a very, very strong record. Any legislation we can point to? Well, legislation that uh, benefits African Americans, yeah, we pass, but not specifically. You know, we pass legislation that benefits working people. Sure. But Bernie, you got to have the answer ready for that question. <laughs> it just, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I'm really, I feel sorry for, for Bernie because I think that. He really did start what has grown into this movement. And he can't get any respect. And that's the problem. Um, I got a, an email from somebody earlier when I said I wanted to uh, go to Washington and, and be like in, in a watch party or a, a victory party for the candidate who's going to lose to Donald Trump in 2020. And a listener said, why don't we, um, why don't we instead do like a watch event at some, you know, Democrat committee somewhere here in Florida? Can't be in, in Broward or Palm Beach because I would be recognized. <laughs> but maybe we get up to like, you know, Jacksonville or Tallahassee or Orlando or something and then just watch as the, uh, as the snowflakes begin to melt. It, it, I just, I, I kind of, really want to do that i just i'm gonna need it that night it's not enough to be sitting with other people who are like-minded i want to watch uh it live when they start crying and stuff and shouting at the sky i i I missed uh being live for that the last time um part of the problem right now for nancy pelosi is that she's got so many of these superstars springing up within her party. And all of them are just a little bit to this, you know, to the extreme side of what the American public are going to be able to tolerate. 
Uh, and she doesn't know what to do with them. She doesn't know what to do with Ilhan Omar, right? We've had this discussion already. They write an anti-Semitism rep- resolution that doesn't even mention Representative Omar. That's the whole reason for it. But hey, you know, again, let's not let's not even talk about that because it would be Islamophobic. Anti-Semitic is unacceptable, and so is Islamophobic. Okay, let's leave it at that. Uh, looks like Ben Carson is going to step down at the end of this term. He um, he re- revealed that to Newsmax TV yesterday. He has been the secretary of HUD, and there have been a few controversies during this time, but I would say that he is one of the most stable presences in this entire administration. He said, I will certainly finish out this term. I would be interested in returning to the private sector because I think you have just as much influence, maybe more, there. He learned a lot about governance, didn't he? And I, I, I can understand that. That's why in many instances when you have somebody who's completely uninvolved in politics, who suddenly emerges, as he did, and and uh, takes on the task of running for the highest office in the land, um, you have to ask yourself, will they be able to handle what's going, what's coming? The only person who I've ever known who was not even surprised when he found out how disgusting and vile people in Washington, D.C. are um, and how he won't allow them to stop him is Donald Trump because he'd been on the inside for so long. Let's not forget that, uh, you know, uh, the Clintons were at his wedding. Let's not forget that he has hung around with a number of uh, politicians and celebrities all his life. On both sides of the aisle, mind you. Been a Democrat, been a Republican, and been a winner. Uh, Mark Cuban has decided he's not going to rule out a run for the White House, but not as a Democrat. He wants to run as an independent. What's beginning to happen is you've got all of these people who are literally just beginning to to recognize the possibilities for independent candidates. And it would have to happen on a massive level. They need to come together and they need to run candidates for various positions, not just, you know, an independent candidate for the presidency. They need to run uh, in Senate races, they need to run in gubernatorial races, in mayoral races, uh, start seating themselves on commissions and city councils, because that's when they will achieve some momentum and they'll be able to um, they'll be able to literally raise money. And you need money. Like that's the bottom line. I'm looking at some of the costs of these campaigns, and it's absolutely it's spiraling out of control. It always was. Um, Ridiculous, but it has now turned almost impossible to run a campaign, even for a, you know, a, a congressional seat in a relatively um, minor community in a state that's not one of the big ones. You're talking millions of dollars to mount a campaign, and that is really uh, it. It changes the kind of people who are able to run. You're going to have to uh, begin to put in some more 
stipulations to how much money can be spent, not to how much money can be raised, because you only raise to the level that you need. If you restricted the amount of spending, you would eliminate a lot of this, a lot of these nefarious ways of, of fundraising. And that's what they are. I mean, looking at this uh, question about whether or not uh, AOC's a- uh, now chief of staff, but former um, PAC champion who was literally funneling money from a super PAC into these other companies. You can't do that. Or there's no reason to do that if you have limits on how you're going to run. Look, the bottom line is this is not the era where television commercials are the way to reach your public anyway, okay? I, I know that they're still enamored of seeing themselves on TV going, I approve this message. I, I guess it makes them feel good. But really, I don't remember a lot of those I approve this messages uh, during the Trump campaign, and he beat back Hillary Clinton, who was the winner until like 10 o'clock that night, according to everybody. He did it by using other forms of engagement with the American voter. Twitter, uh, Facebook, emails, Instagram, Snapchat, all of these tools are now available to candidates. They don't have to buy television ads. They don't have to buy newspaper ads. They don't even have to do town halls. They can do them all online. They literally can run campaigns and be effective with a lot less Money Now, this will freak out all of the major lobbying groups, whether it's the trial lawyers or the environmental wackos or or the, uh, you know, uh, or the NRA. They're all going to realize that there's going to be a limit to influence if there is a limit to how much a candidate can spend. I've been saying this for the last 30 odd years and nobody likes the idea. But the longer I do this and cover politics and the longer I watch how many people um, come in with all the right um, stuff. You know, they, just, they have the right attitude. They have good ideas. They have principles. And within a couple of years, they're just, they're garbage like everybody else because they immediately have to start raising funds if they want to get back there. And the, if they don't get back there, then they cannot get a chairmanship. And if they, unless, of course, Nancy Pelosi assigns you to committees uh, and gives you a chairmanship, which I suppose she could do, but doesn't, does assign them but doesn't give them chairmanship. So, you know, I just don't see how you can untangle it from the front end. You have to unwind it from the back end. So, you know, I have said all along, if you told candidates that you can spend $1 million on your election campaign, go to it, however you want to do that. You can uh, make flyers and walk door to door. You can use all kinds of uh, online access to voters um but you're going to have to make a decision and that decision is you better start communicating with people where they are and not running ads when i think about all the television ads that get spent that they spend money on every single election and how most of us if you're anything like me a convinced that I have a civic duty to vote in every election and want as much information as possible before I decide who I'm going to vote on, 
I don't watch television during the election season, and I certainly don't believe anything I see in those ads. Nothing. Those ads are crafted by people who have literally spent their entire lives gauging response and having focus groups. And the Frank Lutzes of the world will tell you, you have to include this in your commercial and you have to come out hard on this and you got to bully the other guy. And, you know, for most of us, it's old hat. It's passe. We don't care. On the other hand, if you shoot me an email and that email has an interesting um philosophical or even policy note in it i will pay attention and i will beginning to think i will begin to think of you as a serious candidate that's how people ended up believing that donald trump could be president because the way he approached his campaign and and even the debates when you get right down to it we'd never seen anything like that before and we're sick and tired of what we've been seeing we're sick and tired of business as usual of politicians who never say what they mean and never mean what they say. So we saw this guy who just like, uh, you know, little Marco and, and uh, no energy jab. And we're like, hey, I was thinking that myself. You know, <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. But, but it's true. And uh, I always said that Ben Carson, former neurosurgeon, when he announced that he wanted to run for the presidency, I caught up with him in a green room over there at, uh, I forgot, I guess it was Newsmax. And I, I said to him, why are you doing this? I mean, you don't need this. He said, because I want to serve, you know, I want to give back to my country. And I said, well, you could do that in the private sector. Well, guess what? He finally figured out that, yeah, he can return to the private sector and have just as much influence, maybe more than. If you don't think you have more influence in the private sector, why don't you sit down and have a conversation with Jeff Bezos? <laughs> Wow, things must be getting crazy. Uh, President Obama just sent a critical message for grassroots Democrats. Pitch in $1 immediately to defeat Mitch McConnell and demand a Democratic Senate. Wow. One buck, huh? At least when uh, I get emails from President Trump, he asks for a minimum of 20 bucks. Um, there's some crazy stuff that's going on uh and i'll probably get to most of it tomorrow because i've run out of time today i didn't get to speak about this whole michael jackson special thing which i must admit i couldn't bear to watch i i just i i've always had my suspicions i really don't need to validate them and i have uh i've struggled with the fact that i love the music and there's no way that i'm going to stop you know, singing and dancing Michael Jackson songs, but uh, apparently he was quite the monster, and there is substantial um, proof of that, and, and it's just so sad, really, so sad, but he's not here to defend himself, and that makes me uncomfortable, so I don't know that I'll talk about it at great length, but I do want to talk about it a little tomorrow. I also want to talk about the fact that there was this school program that was objectionable to many um, Christian families, Jewish families, because it dealt with the subject of homosexuality, and it dealt with it in a manner that a lot of the parents felt was inappropriate, that that's a discussion that should be had between a parent and a child. 
and that you don't need a teacher to assume that parental guidance role or that uh, spiritual guidance role. And so, you know, no matter how many times it was brought up, and I'd certainly brought it up a number of times, it was always shouted down. People would say, stop being a right-wing religious nut. Well, guess what? They just finally shut down the program. Um, but guess why they just shut down the program? Was it because of the uh, objection by the Christian community? No. Was it the um, objection by the Jewish community? No. No. This was in Great Britain, by the way, um, that they got, got, uh, got the victory. We still haven't got one here. It was because... The Muslim community in England said, we don't want this taught to our children, and it was immediately ended. Just saying, you know, just saying. It's better to be some religions than it is to be others, and you can see that right now in our Congress and apparently in the school system there in Great Britain. Can't make this up. That's an intersectionality fight that's going on. I love that word, intersectionality. You don't want to be caught on the wrong end of intersectionality. Anyway, tomorrow, Ann Coulter will be on with me. Remember, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. I'll be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. If it be his will and he delays his coming, got a lot more to talk about, a lot of things to cover, a lot of ground to cover, not the least of which will be how do I challenge my good friend Ann Coulter when it comes to what I would consider the biggest mistake she's ever made in her career, and that is positioning herself so adamantly against the president, the same president she wrote the book, E, e Pluribus uh, Unum in Trump we trust. Stay tuned, Markley and Van Camp. Wait, it's 57 already. You gave me a one, like a lot. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yeah. No, no, no. You gave me a sign before that. No, I gave you, what are you doing? You're way early and you just ignore me. You've been no, ignoring no. me all day. So. You gave me the one minute sign before I even went there. So, you know, make up your mind. Anyway, stay where you are. Markley and Van Camp coming up next. Barsky at 3 o'clock. And I'll be back. And the morning crew will be in again at 5.30. Oh, God bless them. And I'll be back at 10 a.m. Stay, stay safe, would you? <laughs>